If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to John chapter 10 today. John chapter 10. If you're new to the Bible, it's about three quarters of the way through for me, maybe even a little more than that. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. I am a handyman. This weekend, we were hosting my wife's parents, and we were looking out from our living room over the backyard into our neighbor's backyard. There's a two-story house behind us, and our neighbors hired a handyman to do their gutters. Now, being a very handyman, I was impressed by the way he was doing the gutters because on the second floor roof with a steep pitch. He was standing on the roof and pulling the stuff out of the gutters. I've tried that before and it scares me. But watching him do the gutters and thinking about how much they must have paid him to do the gutters and being reminded it was time to do gutters, I, being the handyman that I am, decided to go do our gutters. But I decided to do it from the ground up instead of the other way around. So I went and got our A-frame ladder, blower, and a glove. Went up the ladder. And I don't know if you've noticed on A-frame ladders, they have this step with a suggestion written on it. (laughs) For people that apparently are not handymen, it says this is not a step. Now... Why do you make a step that's not a step? I still don't really understand that, but so that step from the second to the top that's not a step, being the handyman that I was, I decided to stand on it. And I was blowing and pulling stuff out as I went along on the gutters, looked down at the A-frame ladder and noticed that the base was not square. It was, again, very handyman term, cattywampus. And so, being the handyman that I am, I decided to fix that by holding the top of the ladder and jumping on the ladder (laughs) to get that leg to go out, right? But something strange happened. Instead of the leg going the right way, it went the wrong way and folded up and left me and my blower hanging. Now I'm gonna leave myself there for a second and explain to you that I had noticed the neighbor having their leaves done while I was sitting on my couch and I had my flannel jammy pants on and a hoodie and no shoes. And I had not decided to go put on shoes before doing this project. So ladder leaves me, blower in the sky. Below me are the four stone steps leading down from our porch and I plant myself on the ground. I have lots of bruises. I actually took pictures of my bruises to show you this morning and then realized you do not want to see that. (laughs) What's the point in me telling you that? 
in a very small, very small, but tangible way, the last few days for me have been filled with pain. Very small, nothing compared to some of the pain that we just saw demonstrated in front of us. Nothing compared to the pain that many of you are feeling in your life right now. But in, in a very small way, the bruises in my life have brought a constant reminder of pain. For many people, pain keeps them from believing in Christmas. The problem of pain in our world and in my own life, I've, I've been there. Can a, can a pastor out loud say that I've gone through seasons of doubt? And often if I've had a doubt, it's been around, God, how can you allow that kind of pain? How could there be a Jesus that came into the world and did he just want to hurt people? I heard someone say, no, <laughs> no. We've been walking through the book of John six different times. We're getting to hear John record for us Jesus, the baby who was born in the manger, tell us why he was born. And if in your life right now you're hurting, I want you to hear what he's going to say. But before reading the words, I need to give you a little more context because you need to know what is coming after, but also some of the stuff they would have understood before Jesus said what he's going to say. Chapter 9 is where we were last week. What we just saw happen in the story that John is telling us in Jesus' life, Jesus has healed a blind man, but there are people who cannot get to the fact of believing Jesus has healed a blind man because they don't want to believe in Jesus. And we saw last week that Jesus said, I came for this reason, to give sight to those who know they are blind. And we know he was pointing to something spiritual as you look at the passage and we've got these religious leaders that cannot see Jesus because they don't know they're blind spiritually to him. Jesus is now going to start talking about shepherds. I'm going to show you a picture of Bethlehem. Y'all know shepherds play a big role in the Christmas story, right? This is in a field outside of Bethlehem, but what you're looking at is a sheepfold. I'm going to read those words in the first few verses. Most of the year, I did not know this. But Jesus talks about a sheepfold and something that's going to go on at night and something triggered in my mind. I was like, wait a second, why in the story of Christmas does it say the shepherds were, shepherds, plural, were out in the fields keeping watch of their flock by night? And in this story, we're going we're gonna to hear Jesus point to at night the sheep being in a sheepfold. Does it the, mean the Bible conflicts with itself? No, here's what's... Most of the year, at night, all the shepherds would have brought their sheep kind of in a community together into a sheepfold, and one of the shepherds would have stuck around to watch the sheep at night, or one of their children, or a hired hand, which will show up in the story Jesus is going to share. But there was a certain time of the year where they would keep the sheep actually out in the field, and all the shepherds would stay around. And it's actually why... Most believe Jesus was born in the spring because that's when the sheep were having their babies. 
and the shepherds wanted to stick around to be with their sheep while the little lambs were being born. Interesting, okay? Last week, Harold told me something I'd never heard before. I've never researched this. This could be true. I, don't, I mean, well, if Harold said this, definitely sure. Johnny Barrett told me also this morning that he had read similar, that when the, sh- the sheep were being born, there was someone else also involved. The priests were involved because they would look for lambs that were spotless and without blemish. And those lambs, they would take care of in a special way. They would wrap them in swaddling clothes and lie them in a manger. Isn't that interesting? Never heard that before. Sheepfold. With that in mind, stand with me. Let's listen to Jesus tell us why he was born. John chapter 10, starting in verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. The reason they put him in the sheepfold, they want to protect him from the wolves, the predators, but also from robbers coming. Verse two, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know his voice, the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Let's pray. If you're able to get on your knees, I've started inviting people to the knees. If not, you can just sit down. But I want us to ask God again for him to speak through this. Now, Holy Spirit, I, I, uh, I ask, I mean, we just read as Jesus is telling us, I mean, John's telling us what Jesus said here. John said that many that were around Jesus did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, Holy Spirit, we know you're in the room and that, that you actually are our teacher. And so I, I pray that you'd help us see what Jesus was saying. Uh, remove the scales, God. I pray that our eyes would be able to see today what Jesus says. God, I pray especially for those right now that are hurting, for those in our room that are really bruised on deep levels. I pray that they would see why Jesus came. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Sheepfold. Again, you need to understand context. I'm gonna show you another sheepfold in Bethlehem that looks a little different than the first. I want you to see this because Jesus, as he keeps going, he's gonna tell us why he was born, but he's gonna talk about him, the shepherd, being the door. Watch this. 
Behind me and back behind that tree is the city of Bethlehem, not the way it was in Jesus' day. Of course, it's the modern Arab city of Bethlehem, and there are still a lot of Christians in there. The olive tree behind my shoulder there, very, very old, hundreds of years old. Definitely not from the time of Jesus, but from way back. But what I wanted to show you was a lesson that Jesus told. And as I pan the camera around, you can see that behind me, there's a cave. Now this cave was a cave that shepherds would have used for a sheepfold. There would have been a chalk-like layer of rock underneath the harder rock that they hollowed out. There in the sheepfold, they would have built a wall right across it. You can see the remnants of an old wall there. And then they would put the sheep inside at night, and they believe an opening, which you would see right about here in the picture. Of course, the shepherds, not needing wood and not having a lot of wood back in those days that they could use for gates, they would simply camp right across the entrance to that, to that sheepfold. Jesus said over in John chapter 10 that I am the door, I am the gate. At the same time, he was telling his people, I am the good shepherd. Read with me now verse 7. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find what? Pasture. Wow, this is a good shepherd. He's not trying to bruise his sheep. He's protecting his sheep. He's the door. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There are bruises in our life. They're not from the shepherd. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came. If you want to underline, uh, we've been joking about putting Christmas trees in your margin, or maybe not joking. Some of you are like the artistic Bible noters now that do that. There's a Christmas tree. I came. Jesus referring to his incarnation. Jesus referring to what happened 2,000 years ago. I came that, here's our henna clause, so that, here's why I came, Jesus is saying, I came that they may have, what's the word? Life and have it abundantly. Why did Jesus come? Jesus knew that there was a thief who wanted to bruise us, who comes, who came, who's kind of still around. He's been disarmed through the cross to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus showed up for a different reason. Jesus came to bring and give abundant life. Abundant. What is abundant life? The word there, life, is a way of living. It's, it's something you would experience, life. The word zoe. Abundant, different translations in the English try to, try to pull this out. The NLT says a rich and satisfying life. 
a rich and satisfying life, more rich than what maybe people think of when they think rich, like not money rich, right? Like that dessert that you really enjoy at Christmas, <laughs> rich, but your life being that, a rich and satisfying life. The, the, the NIV says life to the what? Full. The message says better than they ever dreamed. Jesus came into our life of pain to bring us an abundant life, a rich, satisfying, better life, life to the full than, than we could ever imagine. That's why Jesus came. Why did he have to come to bring it? What did Jesus do that allows us to have it? Keep going with me. Verse 11. I am the good, what? Shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his, what? Life for the sheep. This life is a different word for life. It's the word suke in the original language. And it's referring not just to the life experience, it's to all that is your life. It's, it's your mind, your spirit, your soul. It's where we get our word psychology from. That Jesus had to come and be in the flesh. He had to, to, to be born here on earth to do what? To lay down his life. Like I, I think of uh, when I think of just because this is me, this is what just happened. I think of me laying down on the steps, getting all bruised, right? <laughs> this is what happened to me. Jesus, Jesus came that and then some so much more so. Jesus came to lay down his life, to suffer and die in our place so that he could give us the abundant life. Verse 11 again, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, again, many would hire someone to watch the sheep at night. The hired hand and not a shepherd, he does not own the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatch. Oh, this is a bad story here. Good grief. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's not worried about the bruises the sheep would get, but that's not Jesus. Verse 14, I am what the good shepherd. Y'all notice we've seen two more of the seven I am statements just right here. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I want to stop here for just a second and I want to make just, just a small little observation if I can do this. It jumps off the page to me because I get to have the vocational title of pastor. And I think I've got the, the most unbelievably cool, amazing mission that God has given me. Okay. That word pastor in the New Testament is used interchangeably like it's the word shepherd is really what it is. I just want to say to you, church family, out of love to you, this, I'm not the good shepherd. He is. I'm a terrible handyman. I'm a much worse savior 
my role, Justin's role, the, the role of all of the pastors in our church is not to get you to look to us, but to get you to look to him. He's the good shepherd. He's the, the good shepherd has come to take the bruises for you and I, to lay his life down for the sheep. Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. I've heard verse 16, by the way, be used to defend that there are other planets, and Jesus was referring to him going to save people in other planets. That may, <laughs> I think what Jesus is saying is I'm gonna save people that aren't Jews also and Gentiles. Uh, maybe there are other planets. Maybe Jesus saves them. I don't think that, that you can defend that by that verse. For the record, there were more people that were not in front of him right then that he saved. Praise God, we get to be part of that. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay my life down for, I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. See what Jesus said? Jesus said, I was given a commission from my Father, and I, on my own volition, my, my court, I have the authority, I came, and I came to lay my life down. I came to, I was born in that manger. When the first week, you might remember, as he was talking to a really good man that was trying really hard to get in all by himself, and, and Jesus said to that man, no, you must be reborn. And he says, I was born in the flesh to die so that you could be reborn in the spirit to live. Jesus is saying in a different way here, I was born so that you can have abundant life. How do you get abundant life? You get abundant life because I have laid my physical life down and suffered and taken the bruises for you. <sighs> Church, when I think about pain, when I think about pain, I'm so thankful for the pain that Jesus went through for you and me. There's, there's a quote that I read years ago that I, I often, when I read a passage like this, think of, and it's by John Stott, and it's fairly lengthy, but I want to read it over you because it, it's impactful to me to think about Jesus laying his life down in this world full of pain for you and me. So here we go. This is again John Stott. I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. The only God I believe in is the one that Nietzsche ridiculed as God on the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? I've entered into many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha. His legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, a ghost of a smile playing round his mouth, a remote look on his face, detached from the agonies of the world. But each time, after a while, I've had to turn away. And in imagination, I've turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. 
nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged in God-forsaken darkness. That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death, and he suffered for us. Our sufferings become more manageable in light of his. There's still a question mark against human suffering, but over it, we boldly stamp another mark, the cross that symbolizes divine suffering the cross of Christ. Church, if you're hurting, you need to know that God was willing to hurt to take your hurt away. If you are bruised in a deep way, God sent his own son and Jesus on his own volition, the good shepherd was willing when the wolf shows up to take the pain for you and I. Why? Well, Jesus was born to give you abundant, abundant life. Life to the full. Rich, satisfying, better than you ever dreamed. This is not something that you're going to find the way the world advertises it. Abundant life is not found in a political deliverer. That's why many miss Jesus. Uh, Abundant life is not found in your next car, your next promotion. Uh, I think many in the church don't look at that. My own, like I've told y'all, my idols often are my family. Abundant life is not found in your spouse, uh, your next romantic friend. Students, as you're you're excited about... I don't know how cool the person you date's gonna be. They may be a cool person, they're gonna be a really bad God. Abundant life is not found in our children. Jesus was born to give you abundant life. How do we take him up on it? I wanna turn your attention back to the text and I I wanna show you three things that the sheep do that allow them to experience the abundant life the shepherd is offering, okay? And I wanna ask you, are you doing or not doing any of these three? You with me? First thing, how to experience abundant life, first thing the sheep do is they enter by the gate. And Jesus said, who's the gate? He is, verse nine, he says, I am the door if, this is a conditional statement, If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in. When they're in, they're in the safety of the sheepfold, being watched over by the shepherd, in and out. And when they're out, they find pasture, pasture, spiritual nourishment for their souls. Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm the gate. The only way in to that sheepfold for a sheep is where? through the gate. 
I think it's another way of Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. If you want abundant life and you're here in the room, you need to know there's a real king and a real kingdom. He really was born. He lived a life apart from sin, did not deserve death, but he died in our place. He laid down his life for us. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again, and now he's seated at the right hand of God. And if you repent, believe, and follow him, you get to be part of his flock. Isn't that awesome? Have you entered by that gate? Today you can. Repent, believe, follow Jesus. If you're online or here in the room, you can text the word TALK to 96123. Talk to 96123 out the door to your left. We have a team in the Welcome Center that would love to talk to you. That's not all we see the sheep do. They enter by the gate. Second thing we see them do, and this was almost the only point I had because I think it's most emphasized here in the text. They listen to or hear the voice of the shepherd. Verse three, the sheep hear his voice. Y'all see that? Verse four, they follow him. Why? For they know his voice. Verse five, a stranger, they don't follow. Why? Because they do not know that voice. Skip down to verse eight. But the sheep do not listen to what? The robbers and the thief. They're not listening to their voice. Why? Because they listen to the voice of the shepherd. Verse down to 16 Again, I have other sheep that will not of this fold. I must bring them out also, and they will what? Listen to my voice. Show you another picture here. This is what we think of when we think of herding sheep right now today. We think of the, the, that, the dog chasing them, right? Uh, or, or we think of like uh, maybe in your mind, if you haven't been around sheep, you're thinking even maybe more graphic, like they're riding a horse and they're whipping or whatever, like you do cattle. I don't know. You know, that's not how they would herd sheep at the time of Jesus. The time of Jesus, in fact, Jesus talked about it here. The shepherd shows love to the sheep. The sheep get to know his voice and the shepherd can show up in the sheepfold and call his sheep by name and they will come to him and just follow him out of the sheepfold. This is the way it looks at the time of Christ. Like, how, how does that happen? It's because they're listening to the voice of the shepherd. They're hearing his voice. That's what's happening. Are you intentionally listening for the voice of your shepherd? Abundant life. He, God, in the flesh. Uh, 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 this is a, a word that we like right now in our current lingo. Human flourishing. You think the perfect man knows how human flourishing is supposed to happen? Listen to him. I read a guy this week reading a book on discipleship. So a disciple is an apprentice of Jesus. How do you become an apprentice? You learn to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do what Jesus did. He goes on to make it very clear that you're not saved by what you do, you're, you're, but Part of the abundant life is listening to what is spending time with him and listening spiritual disciplines. As you approach this next new year, some of you are going to make goals. Can I ask you to, out of love for you, because Jesus wants the abundant life for you, to, to make a point to listen to him? 
Bible reading plan that we're going to kick off this next year is a little different than the ones that we've gone through the last few years. We're going to go really slow the first hundred days through the book of Mark. And we're going to ask like sheep, as we listen to our shepherd, where is he leading us? Another way of saying it, as a disciple who wants to live in love like the rabbi, as we watch the life of Jesus, what does it look like for me to hear him? And then that leads to the the third point here, third point here, follow the shepherd, follow the shepherd. More information, we are are overwhelmed with information in the church, right? I, I think many of us don't need more information, we need to move to application on the information we know, right? Some of us need to follow our leader in what we're looking at, the group of friends we're hanging out with, the way we're using our mouth, maybe the way that we're reproducing in the lives of others. It shows up again all over the text. They hear his voice and he leads them. You can't lead someone who's not following. Verse four, the sheep follow him. Verse five, the stranger they will not follow. I could go on, 11 is in there too. Church family, out of love for you, Jesus knows what's best for you. Is there any place in your life where you're pushing back on him? If you're pushing back on what he's calling you to, you're not going to experience the life to the full that he wants to offer you. He wants you to have rich, satisfying life to the full, better than you could ever have dreamed. Enter, listen, follow. Here's how I wanna close. I would be remiss if I told you that you could experience it perfectly now. There's still a thief that's attacking every day, right? We're still in the flesh, we're not perfect. This abundant life is also the life that's referred to as eternal life that we get to experience in part now and in full in heaven. And as I was experiencing the pain of the bruises after my fall, I had a close friend of Rebecca and I's who's lost his dad suddenly this weekend. Much deeper pain. And I was reading in our Bible reading plan this morning and I, I recognized, wow, this is cool. Like this is what I'm preaching, but it's this, this life being fully experienced in heaven in Revelation. And I thought this was for my friend, his name's Josh. So I texted him these verses and I wanna read them over you. If you're hurting, if you've lit a candle up here for someone you love, if that person knew Christ, if they entered by the gate, this is what they get to experience. They shall hunger no more, Revelation chapter seven. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. This is eternity in heaven. And God will Wipe away every what? Every tear from their eyes. Pray with me. 
God, thank you for loving us enough to send your own son into a world of suffering. Jesus, thank you for on your own volition, your own choice, you laid down your life so that we could have the abundant life that you want to offer. God, I don't know where each person in this room is, but God, I think some here today need to enter. I pray that they would repent, believe, follow you. Some here in the room need to listen, that they would prioritize hearing. And some, it's not, not necessarily hearing, it's an, they need to follow. Give us the strength through your spirit to live in response to what you've done. In Jesus' name. Before you stand up, next few weeks are different for us as a church. Saturday is, kids, y'all know what Saturday is? Christmas Eve. So we have four services on Christmas Eve. It's going to be great. Caroling, candlelight, great time for you to bring your friends. So many of you came to our Go Love Your Neighbor thing on Wednesday night like we ran out of stuff. So a lot of you are already inviting your friends. Great time to bring a friend. The world celebrating Jesus. Sunday morning, we know from history in our church that when Sunday is Christmas Day, not many of you come because you're opening presents around your tree. But we also believe as a church that discipleship begins in the home. So we thought this would be a unique opportunity for us to guide a conversation if you're gonna celebrate Christmas with others or to prompt you to listen if you're an individual in your home to God. And so we're gonna have a shorter service that you can join us online only for. It is, we recognize Christmases are celebrated a ton of different ways. So we have our 915, 1045 live stream. It also will be on demand, okay? Don't miss though the activity that happens after. And kids, if you're with us Christmas Eve, we're gonna give you something that you can use to be part of that activity Christmas morning at home. Cool? The next week, Sunday, is New Year's Day. New Year's Day is also a different kind of day. We're gonna just do our 1045 service. No on-campus life groups that day because many will be traveling. But on purpose, as we try to elevate the value of prayer in our church, we're gonna kick off our year praying. We're gonna give you some guided time as you listen to God and pray to start our year together as a church. Good? Let me pray over you. You can stand as I pray. Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go love your neighbor. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we wanna invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's gonna preach the Bible and exalt Jesus. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.